Hey everybody, welcome back to the Unpacked Podcast with your girl Uhura Zulu and your boy Marcus. We are back again with a brand new episode and we're here to unpack, dissect, cuss, laugh and give you the people out there a good old unpacking. But before we start with that, Uhura, how are you? I'm good. Today I'm feeling good, except it's like completely freezing. It's like Baltic, Arctic, outside. I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I just, I know, obviously it's winter, right? I'm not a dum-dum. I know. (laughs) But I just don't remember it being this cold in December. I'm seeing fog and fog and fog. So, I'm cold. Yeah, I'm, I'm maintaining my sanity, you know, out in, out in these streets. Listen, the weather is cold. So cold that you need to maintain your sanity and your bloodstream. Because literally it is freezing. Girl, them layers. Oof. Them layers. Today's been a good day. And on that note, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I actually did my first COVID test today. So it was the... um, DIY COVID kit. I think the more I do it, because I have to do it weekly, I'll get used to it. And I I don't mind doing it. The throat swab, that's fine. It's the swab that goes up your nose that is quite intense. Like, literally, so my initial reaction was I started laughing, and then my eyes started watering, and then it felt like my nose duct and my eye duct was vibrating. It, it, it's just a weird sensation, especially the first time you do it. But like I said, the more I do it, I'm sure I'm going to get used to it. But yeah, I had to do that. So if you don't hear from me, it's because my ass is isolating. But yeah, other than that, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. But anyway, today, today, we unpacking Black Women in Reality TV. Because there is there is one thing that we love. And there is one particular show Marcus loves. Now, me as the lovely Uhura Zulu, your favourite girl in the whole wide world, I love trash telly. Been loving trash telly. Marcus, in particular, he loves himself some Royal Housewives of Atlanta. But even before that, we were watching, like, I Love New York and flavor of love and whatever Mm -hmm. other reality tv trash has been out in the last what 10 years yeah 10 to 20 oh 20 don't say 20 No. (laughs) no not 20 not 20 10 to 15 but like the I want to say the originator, the woman who like really kind of paved the way for black women in this space, is our favorite girl, the HBIC herself. I'm Tiffany Pollard, but if you watch The Flavor of Love, then you know me as Miss New York. This is a reality TV icon. She's a whole legend. I mean, she had a museum exhibition dedicated to her. <laughs> she's had like a merchandise line and she's got 
a VH1 show called Brunch with Tiffany, but most recently on VH1, um, she had a reunion special for I Love New York, right? Did you watch it, Marcus? So, I Love New York. New York is iconic. New York is the blueprint. But I did not watch the reunion special. Sorry. The only reason why I didn't watch it is because, for me, it was just too little, too late. The show ended years ago. So why are we now having to wait 10 years just to get a reunion? I kind of feel like it was out of place. It didn't make sense for me. If if you were going to put New York back on the screens and if you were going to give her basically the screen time she deserves because she was made for TV... It kind of needed to be for something fresh, something more current. Like, the stuff that happened on the show, I vaguely remember. But I don't care enough to see them talking about it ten years later. Because I like to think, just like how I've moved on with my life, surely these people that were on the show would be over it. So it's kind of like, I appreciate New York on TV but I didn't need the reunion, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because in our previous conversations about the reunion, you, you hadn't actually broken it down like that. And so you breaking it down like that now makes sense to me. When I first saw the advert for the reunion, I did question it. I was like, why now? My first initial thought was, okay, VH1 don't have content. When the reunion episode came out last week, like, there was also a reunion for Hollywood Exes, which made no sense. And when, while I was watching the I Love New York reunion, I was like, it is too little too late. She should have been celebrated by VH1 particularly because that's the network that, like, she rose to fame from. Like, give her, you should have given her flowers sooner. Okay, she has a show currently with them, Brunch with Tiffany. But, like, this woman should have been celebrated years ago. Not now, just because we're in a pandemic and your network doesn't have content. Legit, even when I, while I was watching the reunion, it was nice. It was cute. But we don't care about the former contestants that she was dating while she was doing I Love New York. The only one I really cared about was Taylor Made because she actually did end up with him in the end and we got more of a story of like why they didn't work and why they didn't end up together and what I loved as well was seeing New York's growth as a woman and like where she's at now in life, like you can tell she's really worked on her self-improvement. She's not the Tiffany that we saw on the show. Yeah, she's she's done well for herself and she's doing well. She's like engaged and everything now. And her mom pops up at the reunion and that was great to see Miss Patterson, but it is it is too little too late. Yeah, and, and let's be clear as well. VH1 over the years has, they've had their moments, they've had their peaks, their highs, they've also had their lows. 
and Flavor of Love, well, New York hands down individually, I guess, resuscitated the network because here she was, this unknown woman. We didn't know who she was. She came from nowhere and she was on a show with Flavor Flav, who is this huge, like, rap star and she stole the show. She stole the show. Like, people don't even really remember that show for Flav. New York became the show, hence why she got her own spin-off. The show came out when we were being introduced into reality TV. It's not like it is nowadays where literally there's shows about anything. New York came about at a time where reality TV was kind of a new concept. It was a style of like documentary mixed in with real life, mixed in with candid moments that we had never really seen before. I think it was because it was unscripted as well. It was raw. I mean, you could feel the producer's hand at times, but Flavor of Love and I Love New York were unscripted. New York was definitely unscripted. I don't think anybody knew what to expect with that woman. She was literally a force to be reckoned with. Because, you know, I've, I rewatched the show a couple of years ago, just to, just to go down memory lane. And I remember the first couple of episodes, she was barely in it. She literally got if one scene, two minutes screen time. But by, I say, the fourth episode in, it was literally the New York show. At that point, I didn't even care who Flavor Flav found love with. Because I just wanted to see what New York was going to do next. So I went back and watched Flavor of Love a bit as well. And when I watched, I think it was the first two episodes of Flavor of Love, I was like, here's me expecting to see New York. You barely saw her in the first two episodes. Like, you saw every other kind of dry-looking girl <laughs> that was on there. But you didn't see Tiffany. She was in the background for a minute. Her personality, her character, like, the producer should have picked up on that from Jump. And I remember her actually being in love with Flav as well, right? Yep, yeah, so to break it down, like, this is why she's so iconic. She's iconic for many reasons. And one is because she was genuinely in love with Flavor Flav. And the thing is... Yes, he's super rich, he's a well-known celebrity, but, you know, at, at the time of recording, he was slightly older than the young women that were trying to vie for his attention, and I think at that point he had, like, kids, baby mamas, grandkids. He's not the typical person they would put on shows like The Bachelor, because Flavor of Love is a spin-off on that concept. But she really loved him. And it's only when you started watching more of her that you realise, like, this is really not scripted. This is not put on. The producers are not in her ear. This is literally... This woman is literally on the screen because she wants him to marry her. Whereas all the other women, we know they were just there for the money and the exposure. And I think the producers, it took them a while, but then they did clock on to the fact that they struck gold with her. 
it was the small sound bites that she gave in those early episodes when she was just in it for one scene. You just couldn't tell if she was being serious or if she was joking with some of the stuff that came out of her mouth. But she's so witty and her one-liners were so... You know, the ones where you just have to pause and you're like, wait a minute, is this real? And I think whoever was behind the scenes saw this and was like, no, we need to move the camera onto her. Like, this is, this is our show, basically. And like I said, I really didn't care who stayed, who went, what actually happened in the episode. I just wanted to see New York. I wanted to see what she was going to wear. I wanted to see what she was going to say. I just wanted to see her. The woman is iconic iconic like okay I'm gonna bring it back bring it forward a few years but like her time on Celebrity Big Brother now Celebrity Big when she was on Celebrity Big Brother Marcus this was when Celebrity Big Brother was on Channel 5 right they had like given it another boost another round on a new channel fresh channel brand new bunch of celebrities like I was shocked, but not shocked, that she went on. But when she was on there, she gave us gold yet again. If it wasn't from the moment where she was in the diary room, cussing out, I don't know if it was Gemma Collins or someone. <laughs> Somebody. And it was it was the the dragging that she did so calmly like she just sat there and dragged everybody and then the other favorite moment i have is when um she's like david is dead <laughs> the dramatics of that moment i was like oh my goodness this woman but i think I think my favourite moment of hers is like when she goes out in the garden and then she does this like little evil laugh just kind of <laughs> out of nowhere. And I was just like, she's just TV gold. 100%. And that stint in Celebrity Big Brother, that just proved just how iconic she was because me and you, we knew who she was going in. And at that point, I think I didn't even really watch big brother too tough uh, but and she's from the US she's here on a UK reality TV show and we know on these shows the US stars don't do as well because quite frankly they're just not known here the public loved her they loved her to the point that she even made it to the final now she was eliminated first and I think she came in fifth but still that was a huge achievement for a US personality because I don't think they even last that long on these shows but then as well it's a black woman and she's she made it to the final she made it to the final literally by being herself yeah and that's why her career is long and that's why we're still talking about her in 2020 because she is TV gold she is reality TV. I mean, when I heard that she had an exhibition like dedicated to her in in a museum in Brooklyn, I was like, this, I was like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, the fact that it, the museum's in Brooklyn, like, the exhibition was dope. I was like, only a museum in Brooklyn would celebrate New York. Like, the MoMA's not going to do it. 
the like you're not gonna see her being celebrated there but the fact that they did that to honor her i was like that says a lot about her relevance and the path that she paved for fellow black women stars who came after her let's keep it 100 new york walked so they could run let's be real and new york has always been authentic like what you see is what you get with her if new york didn't do what she did at the time half these women probably won't even be as big or as known as they are props to also like the networks that have worked with like other black um women reality stars some some of the women have been authentic not all as viewers of reality tv you and i we can always tell when they're being authentic and when they're not and one of my favorite ones who's all who's always been authentic was tamar from braxton family values because when did braxton family values start started when we were in uni it was like 2011 or something like that it's been going for a minute because okay i know this because when braxton family values started chloe and lamar was still on <laughs> don't don't judge me chloe and lamar was still on and um there was like a bunch of other shows on vh1 that i used to like binge while i was at uni Tamar was the standout sister on Braxton Family Values. Like, okay, they got the show because of Tony, but Tamar was the standout. Like, she was coming with her dot com, dot net, dot gov, whatever. <laughs> and she, most importantly, she was being herself. I didn't feel like she was acting up to the cameras at the time. Like, her lifestyle at the time was what it was. As we saw Tamar's fame rise, like she got on the reel and personally I loved her on the reel. I thought she was great. I think she shouldn't have been fired. She was a let go unfairly. But as Tamar's like fame started to rise, you saw her get her own reality show with her now ex-husband Vince and f from the vibe I was getting between her show with Vince and Braxton Family Values, it felt like the shows became a little bit more scripted and that the producer's hand was very much on it. So over the summer, she had her suicide attempt because of the pressure of the schedule from the network WeTV, it became too much. Like they were asking too much, they were demanding too much of her. Um, and she basically wanted to be let go by them. But I think it from from my understanding it's like a back and forth um thing because it became about the treatment. It was she like I don't even think it was about the money with Tamar, it was just about the treatment and being regarded as like a human being by the network and she just thought I need to get out of this but she also felt at the time that suicide was her only way out like she felt that low 
and that depressed mentally and emotionally that that was the only way she felt like she could get out of that situation. Well, see, this is the thing. Reality TV as a genre in 2020 has become so saturated that now it's literally what can we do to get a good show? And because it's so saturated, the concept may not necessarily be the best, the strongest, the most original. So they rely on the drama, basically. And, you know, we both come from the media industry. I like how that sounds. So we know... (laughs) We know what it is like behind the behind the scenes and we know the producers they've got pressure from the execs they put pressure on the talent the stars the celebrities the the personalities and in order to get the drama they literally need they need a heightened sense of of that individual they need them to be bigger they need them to be louder they need them to be more confrontational they need them to be more extra I see and understand why Tamar probably thought that was her only way out what people don't understand is what we see on tv is literally a snippet of their real lives Like, just imagine now, since we've all been in lockdown, and we know how intense it is to literally be in one confined space. Imagine if you had lights on you, if you had cameras on you, if you had, like, one person to your left telling you this, the other person to your right telling you that, then you had hair and makeup behind you. It's literally a whole scene and a setup behind the camera, and then what you see in front of the camera is, in some cases a product of that and with her I mean I never watched Braxton Family Values but I knew I knew of her and I knew of her because she was so loud she was so extra but from what I did see I could see it was authentic and I only know her as a reality TV star and I guess I've kind of followed her reality TV career in quotation marks because her rise within it has been so public and so dramatic and controversial from her splitting up with her husband to then being fired from the show. And let's be real, she was too real for the real. She was not palatable enough for their audiences. But moving on, I digress. And then also seeing now she's having more issues with her I guess he's her ex-boyfriend now. She gives us the drama, she gives us the entertainment, she gives us, as audiences, what we expect from a reality TV star. But seeing her go into such extremities, it does make you wonder what on earth is going on behind, behind the scenes. Like, it's so intense and there must be so much pressure that that was literally her only way out. And as well, you wouldn't expect it from a personality like hers because she is a strong, confident, outspoken woman. And when people do have those personality traits, they do overlook their vulnerabilities and they do overlook that everybody needs help just because they may not say it, but people need help. 
yeah no ab absolutely um and i remember in the statement that she released i think she'd just come out of hospital or something where she was talking about wanting to talk about the treatment that goes on within like the reality tv space for black women in terms of mental health the stress and the pressures of it all because there's a lot that Tamar was saying and there's so much more that Tamar wasn't saying. When she did her Tamron Hall interview, it broke my heart. The Tamar that we're used to seeing was not the Tamar that we were seeing on the screen. She looked presentable, but we're used to seeing glammed up Tamar. She, she was not Tamar Braxton, Miss I Can Sing. Like, it, it almost looked like she was a shadow of her former self. She's not completely faded, like she wasn't completely wrecked, but you could tell she's been through it and going through things and that she is day by day working on herself and picking herself back up. Because in the Tamron Hall interview, she talked about her suicide attempt, the domestic violence accusations from her ex-boyfriend. And she also talked about the fact that her and her family are not, on speaking terms, I don't know what it's currently like now. Maybe it's gotten better in recent weeks post the Tamron Hall interview. But at the time, she did mention that she was not on speaking terms with her family. I haven't listened to her podcast yet because she also does have a podcast. But I just hope that she's recovering and is doing okay because the treatment that these women get from networks, it's clearly awful. Well, th this is the thing. So, black women are strong. We know this, whereas I feel like to everybody else, that statement is just used as a an excuse or as, as justification for them to overlook the black woman or for them to disregard or degrade the black woman. The black woman's strong, so therefore they can handle it. They can handle the pressure of having everybody go after them and we're filming it for the audience's entertainment. They can handle long schedules, especially when you've got these black women like Tamar like Tammy Roman, like Jocelyn, like Nini, that have these big, strong personalities, I feel like these networks use it as justification for saying, well, they're so, they're so out there that we can literally do anything for them. And I, I feel like they are able to mistreat them because these are characters that are quite polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. They know they can do whatever they want with these people because there'll be a few people out there that will be sympathetic and understanding. But for the most part, a lot of people will have the, will make assumptions that, oh, what are they complaining about? They're just getting what they deserve. They do all this yapping. This is what happens when you play up for the cameras. So I feel like the statement black women are strong in the sense of networks and reality TV is is their opportunity to basically exploit it and exploit these women. 
because even when these women show moments of vulnerability, they're not believed or taken seriously. Even though they're entertaining, they're not constantly on, like they're human beings. They need to be taken care of and understood, not be described as aggressive because even though, yes, we are black women, we are strong. Recently on Potomac, right? Monique and Candice, uh, right, that fight that took place, the way Monique blacked out afterwards, like the way she chased Candace. Afterwards, all the episodes that came dealing with the fight, like you could like Monique became more remorseful as she was starting to understand her actions like I feel like there wasn't much space for Monique to be vulnerable as a black woman on a reality show do you know what I mean yeah I do but you you've got to understand there wouldn't be because vulnerability is great for a drama or for a documentary vulnerability is not great for reality tv the networks are probably thinking like this Audiences do not want to see vulnerability because then the minute they see something more relatable or more humane, they're automatically going to switch off because we don't watch reality TV to see ourselves or to be reminded of what's going on in our lives. We just want the good stuff. And the good stuff is let's watch these people that are richer than us. Let's see them tear each other apart. Let's see them argue over stupidness. Let's see them look good but act a damn fool. We don't want to see real life to the extent that it reminds us of our lives. We want the escapism. We fail to remember that these people in front of the camera are normal people. Like, these cameras are not here 24-7, 365 days per year. When these cameras leave, these people are getting on, or at least trying to get on with their lives. And I know, but why did you sign up for reality TV? This is part of the course. I get all of that. But these are still human beings at the end of the day. And we've, we've seen these women be vulnerable and they've just been rejected, they've just, just been ridiculed, they've just been judged, they've just been questioned on it. We see that with Nene Leakes and from Atlanta, and you know I live for Atlanta. Girl. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I know you live for Atlanta. I mean, not so much anymore, because the quality has gone a bit... Ooh! Ah, the ghetto! The ghetto. The ghetto. She is prime example. Like, she has been mistreated. Say what you want about her. But at the end of the day, this year she has been quite vocal. And I, I don't think she's been as vocal as she could be or should be. But she's been vocal about the mistreatment that she feels she has faced at the hands of the network. Bravo. And again, we don't know the full story. We're not there. But over the years, there have been some indications that, okay, maybe there is some truth to what she's saying. So she's been on the show since the very start, 2008. 
And if anything, she is the reason why this show exists because the producers went to her, she rounded up the women, she gave them in the cast basically. And on top of that, she also gave them storylines and drama because she was such a big personality. She played a huge part in that franchise. She literally put the show, the franchise and the network on the map. I said what I said. Now, of course, she's not the only person, but she is, well, Atlanta was the only African-American Housewives franchise. So she was the only black woman that did that. Because no offense, Sheree, but you, you, it weren't you. Read, honey, not read. <laughs> There's a difference. She's no longer on the show. And the reason why she's no longer on the show is because uh, contract negotiations failed for this current season that's airing. And she's spoken about that. And there's just small things that do make your eyebrows raise. So she was only offered, I think, six to eight episodes for this season. And she was given like a low ball sum. And every year she always negotiates for more. She always gets it. That's not the problem. The problem is the other franchises, all their OG cast members, they don't have to negotiate. They literally get the contract there no questions asked, they sign on the dotted line, they've got their 18 episodes per season. Why should she have to beg? Why should she, why should she have to jump through hoops to get the same privileges that these white women get? And Nini had one spin-off, which was The Wedding, which, no, that, that has always, always bothered me that she's only ever had one spin-off. She deserved at least two more. And like anybody that is, that does watch Bravo shows, you should be aware that people have been talking for years. People have been talking for years about the mistreatment of black people on the shows. It's not just Atlanta. There's even this year, there's been lawsuits there's been people on other shows behind the scenes and in front of the camera getting fired because there's been racial discrimination claims. There's been people talking publicly about their treatment. And I know Atlanta now are currently focusing on social injustice in America, which is great. But anybody that watches these shows knows that anything to do with homophobia get shut down immediately. It get, people get disciplined for it. But then when it seems to be things of racial matters, we're blind. It's the free blind mice. We can't see it, we can't hear it, we, we, we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Ah, uh, here we go. But clearly it does because on all of these shows, if you were to flip the camera around, how many people of color do you see? How many producers do you see that are ethnic? How many executives? If you were to look at all these big networks that have these reality TV shows that feature predominantly black cast members, how many people that are there filming them and meant to be putting this content out, how many of them are them? I mean, even in a city like Atlanta, which is known as Black Hollywood, there's not many black people behind the scenes like the crew and producers and directors are white like you'd think 
the people forming the narratives or filming and filming the lives of black women would be black people behind the scenes, but no. Nope, as usual. As usual. And I mean, it's even like New York. They've, they're only now putting their first black woman in the show. New York. That's disgraceful. New York is literally one of the most, like, diverse cities in the world. Like New York like... is like London. Like, please make it make sense. And, and it's, so we see these networks, once again, they seem to be saying this a lot. They're making small improvements and small adjustments, but it's not good enough. You should have been doing this. The good thing is, because literally people nowadays see careers in reality TV and literally go on reality TV as a career prospect. Thank goodness the white people, the Asian people, the Hispanic people, the the green people, the aliens. But literally everybody's out there and happy to look a whole mess on TV. So everybody's going to be shaking the table. Everybody's going to be throwing drinks. So it's not just black people. So that's good. Yeah, girl. Remember, I don't know. You've seen the clip of Teresa flipping the table. Ooh. Of course I have. Everybody. Of course. Come on. Come on. Come on. There has to be something else. How I was Prostitution whore. You are gay. It's not just us. Praise the Lord. Everybody yeah. has no decorum. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Pulls a ruckus for them coins. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like, we do watch reality TV for the escapism and the mess. And I think in a, in this pandemic that we're in and as black people, what we've gone through this year alone... Reality TV, for black women in particular, is become an extra dose of escapism. Like, it's meant so much to me this year, and I didn't think it would. I've been re-watching old clips of reality shows just to maintain my sense of sanity this year. And... I do think that we should continue to watch reality TV because there's something about it that's soothing. Would I ever be on a reality TV show? I don't think so. Like, I I don't have the guts to be picked apart by Twitter like that. (laughs) So it's a no from me. And... On being on a reality show, I I couldn't do it. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame <laughs> you. Now, growing up, I always wanted to be on Big Brother, but when it was on Channel Four and like in its prime, um, I was always like, oh my gosh, I would love to go on it. It would be great. Now, at this big age I am in twenty twenty, could I do reality TV? Hell no. Don't get me wrong, I think I'd be great on it. I think I would. I'd steal the show. I'm just putting it out there. You know, I've got the one-liners. You know, I've got my mouth. 
you know I can be like the supporting act, but I can also be the star. So I will give, I'll give the producers what they want. Like, you know, you know, we've been friends for years. Some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth. But, yeah, she knows, she knows. But I just would never do it. I would never do it for, I, I just couldn't do it. Like you, I don't want people to come for me. And you know, the minute somebody has some sort of celebrity status, people feel like they're entitled to you. Like you owe them something. You've got to explain everything. And quite frankly, I like walking down to my local Tesco's with snot down, dribbling down my nose or me wearing pajamas and I still haven't showered. I like being unknown. Okay, that's it's, just it's nasty. <laughs> okay, well, I would never, I would never do that because I never look busted. But I'm, I was just exaggerating to prove my point. But I will say, in the UK, one of the most successful like black women to come from reality TV, who's done very well for herself, is Alison Hammond. Sis is hosting this morning now. Like she's secured yeah. the bag, got the coins, and then some. Shout out to Auntie Alison doing it. And she was on Big Brother in what early 2000s. Like, she's done well. But again, UK reality TV. <laughs> We've already unpacked this. Where are the black people? Where are they? There's there's many reasons to that. Um, That we'll talk about away from the podcast. But so if, if people I... are smart, then they'll figure it out. Um, and one plus one will add up to two. But yeah, neither of us would do reality TV, so you're just going to have to keep listening to our podcast. That's it. I mean, we might film the podcast one day for you all, but you ain't finna see us on Love Island. Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. And on that note, people, thank you for listening to us again. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, tell your mom, tell your sister, tell your dog, tell your auntie, tell your goldfish about the Unpacked podcast. Also, you can follow us on our socials. I am Uhura Zulu on Instagram and Twitter. We are the Unpacked podcast on Instagram. We are at the uh, at Unpacked Pod on Twitter. And you can also follow Marcus on his socials, but your socials. Follow me on Insta at Maiden92. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. We hope you all stay safe and Merry Christmas. Enjoy whatever you're doing. But everybody, wash your hands, stay safe, and wear a mask. Bye bye.